This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. I'm here today because um, our church did a, 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 a series called Pause, where we literally read the Bible together through the book of Genesis. Got to the end of Genesis, and we were done with the series. And um, how many of you ever know that sometimes God just drops a word in your pastor's heart? It's for the house. Like, it, it's a word that's going to encourage you. It's going to convict you. It's going to challenge you. This is that word. Um, got to the end of Genesis, and I said, whoa, whoa, wait, there's some stuff in Exodus we need to look at. And so today I'm going to be in Genesis and Exodus, so you can open your Bibles. I'm going to start in Genesis 28. But before I get there, um, y'all pray for me. I have a 17-year-old daughter. She's a senior this year. I'm just praying that she graduates. Now She will probably graduate. Probably be valedictorian or salutatorian of her, her, her class. Like, she's incredibly smart. Um, she's smarter than me by, like, a lot, which isn't saying much. Um, but she, she just man, she's just, this is her year, and she's just kind of struggling a little bit. Pray for her. Um, but we also have a 14-year-old son playing football as a freshman, and I have a five-year-old. So when he said we span a distance, um, Shane, what's the craziest thing you ever did? Oh, I've got a daughter that's a senior and a son that's in kindergarten. There you go, all right? Too old for this. Um, how, <laughs> how many of y'all just, come on, how, how many of y'all love to shop? How many of y'all believe you're gifted to shop? Come on, thank you, Jesus. I see you in the back waving at me. Come on, yeah, yes. Shane, this message is for me, hallelujah. All right, that's what just happened. She's like, right here, I'm gifted. Come on, pass out the gift cards, everybody, you know. You get a gift card, you get a gift card. <laughs> Second service, this is gonna be better. I may get in trouble in this one. You, you may wanna go sit up there with the mute button. Um, uh, my wife is gifted to shop, y'all. Like she, she buys things at Target that she literally knows she's not going to keep to put in the back of the Suburban so that she has a reason to go back to Target the next week to take it back. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to tell that. I just, I just helped y'all shop. Like, man, I'm sorry. That's what she does. That's what she does. She's gifted. And when we go shopping at the mall, like, I, guys, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even lying. Like, I... I hate shopping. Like, I, I, don't take me. I'm the worst companion to shop. I don't even like holding bags. Nothing. I do not like shopping. And here's the reason why. My mama took me shopping, shoe shopping for eight hours one day. We went to every, I was like eight. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what, ladies, I don't understand. I will never understand how you can shop for shoes that long in your life. Like, I mean, I got lunch and almost another meal out the deal. You know what I'm saying? Like I had ice cream and cookies. Like I ate everything there was. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what are we doing? And we went to the whole mall, every shoe store in the mall. We went to all the shoe stores surrounding it. And we went back, God is my witness, to the first store. The first store. The, the first store. And that day in my life, I said, I will never shop again. I'm done. And God, I'm, I married a woman who is gifted shopper. She's gifted. And I realized in the mall, as we're walking through the mall, that um, there's this chair. Yeah, and I don't know if you know the chair exists, but there is massage chairs in the mall. How many of you know that? Men, come on. Can we thank God for the massage chair, man? Lord, thank you for that investment right there in the Columbiana Mall in Columbia. Thank you, Jesus. Saved my feet and my back one day, right? 
but here's what I realized. Like I walked by and I thought it was a recliner at first. I'm like, thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you have provided. In this barren desert, <laughs> you have provided. And I, I went and I sat in the massage chair. And um, I'm sitting there and, and I'm sitting there for a few minutes. I'm like, thank, this is, man, who, why didn't they think about this before? Where were you when I was little, you know? And all of a sudden, while I'm sitting there, an alarm goes off like a fire alarm. The thing starts just vibrating and, and screaming at me, like get out the chair, I jump up, and then it stops. And I realized, oh, you gotta put money in this chair or they're gonna sound an alarm to tell you you're cheap and you ain't wanting to pay for the good reclining chair. And I realized at that moment, okay? I realized that, hey, I'm cheap because I'd like, I'll just go sit on the wooden bench. And, but... I realize there's some times where that we can get so comfortable. We get so caught up with our provision and so caught up in habits that we're so comfortable where we're sitting that unless an alarm sound, we'll sit there as long as we're allowed to. Does that make sense? You ever been so comfortable with something? You're like, oh, I'll stay here forever. Come on, men in the recliner on Saturday football. Thank you, Jesus. Coming up in a couple weeks. Um, like, here's the reality. Sometimes there are comforts, there are things that God brings our way that were only meant to be temporary. We hold on to them like they're permanent. You ever been there? But so comfortable, so good. Let's just do it one more time. God's going, now. I have a plan and a purpose. What's Jeremiah 29 11 say? Well, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. You have hope in a future, right? Like, like, there's a plan and a purpose for your life. And here's what we're going to look at in Genesis through Exodus. We're going to look at a group of people called the Israelites who God had a plan and a purpose for them. Come on, don't you like it when God has a plan? Sometimes don't you wish he would just write it down for you and send you an email? Amen, you know, church buying a building right now. Lord, if you just, well, not building land, you could just send the blueprints. That would be very helpful because... Engineers are expensive, y'all. But you follow the, the children of Israel. And the children of Israel are looking at a famine. And when we hear that, I don't think we understand completely what that means. That meant that they're about to starve to death. Like, no food. You know what that means? That means even the deer and the cows were skinny. You know what There was nothing to eat. There, there was nothing they could do. Grand, grandparents were watching their grandchildren starve to death. And it was the, all the nation around them. And, and, and God, in the middle of this, he didn't forget about them. God gave them a promise in Genesis 28, 14 and 15. This is what it says. It says, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the families of earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. And one day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. And here's what happens. God looks at the children of Israel and he gives them a promise. He says, listen, you ain't gonna die. You're gonna make it through. But what's more is you're gonna be, this is where you belong. He said, this is home. This is the land you belong in. I'm gonna bring you back here. This is the promise. This is where I'm going to bless you. 
But how many of you know, in every great story, there's tension? You know what I'm talking about? You don't go to a movie that doesn't have tension in it. You know what I'm saying? You walk out if you did and be like, that was a horrible movie. I don't even know what the point was. And in the gospel, and we read the scriptures, there's tension that begins to emerge in this story. This biblical narrative has, has, has some depth to it that sometimes we just kind of skim right by when we, read, when we read it. But God had a what? He had a plan and a purpose and a promise for the Israelites. But this is what, this is what happens. And, and, and it's, it's an amazing story and it's good, but it's coupled with someone just outstayed their welcome. You ever, you, you ever had some guests like that? Go ahead, point at them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I made myself laugh right there. That's, that's just so. All right, Genesis 45, 17 through 20. Y'all ready? 17 through 20. Here we go. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, and this is what's going on, all right? There's provision. Joseph, if you know the story of Joseph, basically he is now going to be the person that provides for all of Israel. And this is what happens. Says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, this is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all of your families and return here to me. And this is what it says. I will give you what? The very best land in Egypt. And you will eat from what? The best the land produces. So you got the best land and the best produce. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers to take the wagons from the land of Egypt and carry your little children and your wives and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings for the best of the land of Egypt is yours. So what happened? They're going through famine. They're watching their children and grandchildren die because there's nothing to eat and God provided Come on, you serve a God that provides, amen? And here's what happens. It's kind of like this massage chair. What was meant to be a temporary provision became a permanent placement. And here's the message I need you to wrap your mind around. And here's what I came to really bring to you today because I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Everyone take a deep breath. You know what that means? That means you're still alive and God still has a plan for your, your life. If you didn't breathe, let us know. We've got a team that'll handle that, I guess. I don't know. I've never had that happen before in service, but we'll figure it out. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And here's what I begin to realize. Sometimes provision, comfort, and habits will keep us from the purposes of God. What did they have? They had the very best land in Egypt, they had the best produce in Egypt, and they are all wearing the brand new Jordans. Shane's interpretation. Right? They had the best tinny kicks. They had the best threads. They had the best clothes because it said all your personal belongings. What's that? The things you wear. You are going to have the best of the best. And here's what happens. They got so comfortable with the things, they forgot about the purpose. You with me? They got so comfortable with the things, they forgot about 
the purpose. Where did God want them? He said, this land is where the promise is. And you're going to come back to this land. Don't forget that. But sometimes you don't tell the next generation the promises of God. And what happens is, is basically 13 generations later, they have forgotten that they were never supposed to remain in Egypt. Come on, give it up for your youth team that they're they're telling the next generation about the promises of God honor them man give them whatever they need if they need a hundred dollars for a kid to go to camp jump up and give it because that's training our next generation what they need to know about God and so what happens is is they've gotten so comfortable in some habits that they don't know any other way to live. It's like they've almost become dual citizens. You know what dual citizenship means? It means you got two passports, baby. You can't get in one with, you know, with an American passport, then congratulations, you have a, you know, a, a Nicaragua passport as well. You'll get you there somehow, right? You got two, and what happens now, 400 years they've been there. Can you just believe that when God said, hey, this is temporary, like, I'm gonna take you here, it's provision, but guess what? You coming back to here. 400 years is the span. 400, just say 400 years. Let's do it this way. I count 13 generations in that 400 years. I can't count really, so I'm a minister. Like I, I tell people we had like 800 people. We only had 20. You know what I'm saying? Well, ministers can't count. Don't just touch the face. 13 is what I counted. You can take it or leave it, but it's close in there somewhere. How many of you know your great-grandparents' name? A lot of you. Awesome. Okay, put your hands back down. How many of you know your great-great-grandparents' name? Some of you. That's awesome. How many of you know your great-great-great-grandparents' name? Anybody? Y'all cheating. Like, do you know? Do you know? I don't know. Front row down here like, hey, you remember that? I don't know. I think it's Sally, but we'll go with it. Three three greats. Great-great-great. Who knows them? All right, we still have a couple. Four greats. Anyone know great, 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 great grandma, grandpa's name? We had someone in first service that knew four deep, but we lost it at five. It's 13 generations. And are you, you grasping the length of time we're talking about here? And God said, I have a promise. I want you to be in this land. But they got so comfortable, they forgot about the promise of God. They had a habit. What was their habit? They were brick masons, more or less. They, they basically made acne brick. What are we doing today? I don't know. We got dual citizenship. Today, we're going we're gonna to make bricks. And here's the problem. The problem wasn't the provision. The problem was the provision became an identity. They began to claim Egypt citizenship instead of saying, I am a child of God. They began to hold on to things they were never meant to hold on to. And what was meant to be a season has now become something that lasted generations. Can I, can I just tell you something? I just, can I, I just want to share something with you. I believe God wants to break some habits. You're looking at the Word of God, and there's a, there's a whole group of people that just habits. I just, I got, I got to do it. Why? Because my daddy did it. Well, why did he, he do it? Because his daddy did it. Why did he do it? Because his daddy did it. How many daddies, you know, we're going to go back? No. God wants to set you free. God is a chain breaker. Like when I read the scriptures, Jesus set the captive free. 
He wants you to walk in freedom. Is there something that's wrapped you up so tight? Is there something that has a hold of you that's keeping you from the plans and purposes that God has for you? If so, guess what? The God we serve will set you free. Do you believe that? Like, like I want to tell you, God will set you free. Maybe you've been struggling with something for 14 years, 16 years, 18 years, 22 years, 44 years. The God that I serve to this day still has the power and the complete authority to set you free. There's some people in this room today, God is telling you he is ready to set you free. Sir, the struggle can be done today. Ma'am, the struggle can be done today. He breaks habits. But the second thing I see is they were, they were just comfortable. They had some habits. They were brick masons. What did you do? Brick masons for 13 generations. This is what we've been. Well, what are we going to do tomorrow? We're going to make bricks. They had a habit. They had to break the habit. Can I? There needs to be a generation that stands up and just says, we're going to break the habits of previous generations. We're going to be a generation that serves God. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I wouldn't be here today if my dad wasn't that generation. My daddy's dad was an alcoholic. My daddy's dad beat people. My daddy's dad was not the best guy. But my daddy found Jesus. And my daddy said, that's enough for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. We need some some men that'll stand up and say, me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna serve a God that loves me and passionate about me. I'm sorry, that's not my notes. Here we go, second point. They were comfortable, right? They were comfortable. Look, 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 listen, if you were mid, upper middle class to the upper class of society and someone came to you and said, hey, remember, we're not supposed to be here? You'd be like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be here. I, I believe this is the greatest struggle in America today. We've grown really comfortable with all our things and we forgot the purposes and plans of God. That stings a little bit, I'm sorry. It's just the word of God. God's God saying, hey, we're not called to be comfortable. And, and listen, there's nothing innately wrong with these things on their individual levels, right? Can we just agree that provision is a good thing? Can we agree that provision in right seasons is a good thing? Come on, aren't you glad some of your kids are going to be eating beanie weenies this week? You know what I'm saying? Provision is a good thing. Comfort is a good thing, Right? Some of y'all are going to thank God when you get home in a little while for your air conditioner. And if the air conditioner was broken here, we immediately change gears and we talk about hell. <laughs> Middle of summer. What are we doing? We're, that's it. Illustrated sermon today. Illustration, right? Comfort is not a bad thing. And in habits, some of y'all get up every morning and you pray, you read the word of God. You lean into what God's saying. That's a great habit. Those things are not bad in themselves. But here's what I begin to see. People, when we have these things, a lot of times we stay in places longer than we were ever meant to because they're so comfortable. And God is saying, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I want to push you beyond the comfort. I want to push you beyond the finest things in life. I want to push you to a place where you're all in with God. And when I read the scriptures and I understand the story, I realized that the comfort was keeping them from the promise of God. God's like, I promise you, you're going to be in this land. 
Y'all over there with the Jordans and the tinny kicks. Y'all over there sporting the finest threads. Y'all over there eating all the grapes and the peaches. What are you doing? I wonder if there was ever an elder meeting of, of the elders of the, the, the people of Israel where they sat down and they said, Hey, y'all remember? We're supposed to be over there. And I wonder if someone brought that up, if they were quickly shut down. Because the people were so comfortable. Can I just tell you one of the greatest excuses I've heard in Christianity and faith and the people I lead consistently is, is, man, God's just blessing it. Don't mistake his, don't mistake your financial security and the blessing that you are, are accompanying with that you are doing all the right things. Understand, the children of Israel were blessed because of whose they wore. God was going to take care of them. That doesn't mean they were doing the right things. They were not where they were supposed to be. Matter of fact, you see the provision. They made a good life. They were upper middle class. But when I read this, when I see this, God got to a place where he said, y'all ain't going to get this, are you? Come on, how many of you know someone's stubborn? Do not point at them. My wife would have dubbed me. I dare he's stubborn. That's what my wife would have done. Can we get to Exodus now? Can I bring you to the place that I can bring this to a point and bring this to where I can ask you some questions and we can walk this biblical message together? Exodus 1.11, it says, So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build cities of Python and Ramses and their supply centers for the king. God took their comfort away and replaced it with discomfort. And they're probably going, God, where are you at, right? If you read the account, they begin to question, God, God what happened? God's like, what do you mean what happened? I told you 400 years ago. This was temporary. And y'all done got so comfortable that I had to make you uncomfortable. Your discomfort can be a season of preparation. Your discomfort can be a season of preparation because when God turns it all on his head, he's getting ready to tell you something. He's getting ready to say, it's time to walk. It's time to walk towards your plan. It's time to walk towards your purpose. It's time to walk. Look at your neighbor. Tell him it's time to walk. Y'all did better than first service. That's good. Like, Ten of y'all did it. Now look at the other neighbor and tell him it's time to walk. No, with a little bit of passion, y'all. Yes, someone got a hallelujah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Here we go. Exodus 3, 7 through 8. It says this. It says, and the Lord told him. He's talking to Moses. I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard the cries of their distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile, spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezrites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. God called Moses. He said, Moses, I need you to walk up in there and tell these jokers we're walking out of here. What do you tell them? It's time to what? It's time to what? 
Come on, my people in the back. It's time to what? My people down front. It's time to walk. It's time to walk. What are they walking to? They're walking to the plans and the purpose that God had for them all along. They just got a little comfortable. They got a little distracted because they had some habits. They got, a, they got a little comfortable because the provision was so good. Because when the paycheck is so good, we can make excuses all day long. Right? They just kept making excuses and God shows up and says, hey, it's time to walk. And this is the first thing I realized. And this is a question I have for you. This is a question you need to evaluate. You need to look deep in your soul. And this is the question, who is leading you? Who is leading you? Who is leading you? Can we just, can we just be honest for a second? Can we look a little deep into this? Because is, is it a podcast? Is it your crazy Uncle Larry? Someone died laughing in first service. I think they had a, like, legit, like, the, his name was Larry. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, whoa, what happened? I never got that response when I used crazy Uncle Larry, right? And, and is, it, is it some neighbor who you, you let influence your life? Here's my fear. My fear is that we're letting Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook influence our lives more than anything else. You know, marketers now have found that it is more advantageous for them to pay an influencer to use their product and sell their product than it is for them to get a 30-second ad on TV. What's that saying? It's saying we're spending so much time on social media that we're letting people who we call friends, you don't even know them, you don't know them. My wife would tell me, my friend told me to use this product. I'm like, who's your friend? Tell me right now. She said, oh, I know them on Instagram. I'm like, you just shopping again, girl. Knock that stuff off. We're going broke with you saving me money. You know? We're letting our friends influence us. We're letting our friends take us to places. But we need some Moseses. And I think there's two points here. One, we need some men and women of God to stand up and start speaking truth instead of people going wherever direction they want to go. We need some Moseses that say it's time to what? It's time to, we need some spiritual fathers and mothers that'll look at you and go, no, you need to hold on to the plans and purposes of your life. And then we, every person in this room, we need to realize we need some Moseses in our lives. We need some people that speak truth. That's what Kevin is for me. I'm just the crazy, I'm crazy Larry, okay? I'm crazy Uncle Larry. Let's go get kicked out the go-karts, all right? You be the smart one, I'll be the dumb one, all right? Let's go, right? Like, 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 like we need some people that look at us and point to our purpose. That's what this relationship has been between me and Kevin. It's been something where we say, no, there's more in you. You got better in you. This is not what God has. Like, we push people, we, we push each other to the things of God. That's what we do. We push each other. And here's, here's my question. Do you have a friend that pushes you towards the things of God? Because here's what I, here, here, can I tell you what I found? We have a lot of friends that will agree with our position instead of friends that push us to God. Real friends, look at you and go, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. If you have never had a friend tell you that is the dumbest thing they have ever heard, you need to find new friends. Like seriously, you need friends that care more about where you're headed with God than your comfort, your provision, and your habits. Because if you don't have friends that'll point you in the right direction, what'll end up happening is, is you'll grow incredibly comfortable because they're enjoying your paycheck, your provision, and all the things around you. They're enjoying your swimming pool. They're enjoying your boat. They're enjoying your Lamborghini. Anyone got one? 
I'm in. Just letting you know, right? Or one of the new Corvettes. I'm in on that too. We, we go on right now. Let's go. Um, right? They're enjoying your life so they can't be honest about it and what God has for it. Who's leading you? You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. One of my favorite quotes of all time. I was a high school, middle school pastor. I used to tell kids, you hanging out with that kid? Oh, what's he doing? He's smoking weed. Guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be smoking weed in six months. They're like, no, I won't. Six months later, what are we doing? We're having a conversation about stupidity. Who you hang around is who you become. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You need people who are passionate about God. You gotta have the person. Who's your person? Second thing that I realized in this story is don't delay. Don't delay. Procrastinators unite tomorrow. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on, we... <laughs> You know I'm right. You know I'm right. Well, we're going to do that. That's a good idea right there. You boy, that's good. When are we going to do that? Tomorrow, tomorrow. We're going to get on that tomorrow. It'll be great tomorrow. But here's, when I read this story, do you know what made the Exodus so difficult? The fact that they waited so long to leave. If they would have left under the leader that brought them in, they would have walked right out. There would have been no loss of life. There would have been no war. Like everything that happened would have been completely different because they had favor with the leader. Can I tell you something? The longer you wait with the promise and the call of God that's on your life, the harder it's gonna be. It's, gonna, it's just gonna get harder. But I wanna tell you a secret too. God's not gonna change his mind. You're waiting for God to change his mind. He waited 400 years and 13 generations. I just got a feeling he ain't going to change his mind for you. It's just thought. I could be wrong. I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong. But I, the way I read the, he's not changing his mind. Sir, ma'am, he's simply waiting on you. Because he's a perfect gentleman. He's waiting on you to move. He's waiting on you to what? Walk. He's waiting on you to walk. Walk towards your plan. Walk towards your purpose. When I think this through, when I wrestle this, there, there's a gentleman in my mind that like, is the perfect illustration for this. His name's Jason Seyfert. Jason Seyfert, at 25 years old, was told that he was going to take some steps into ministry. And at 25, how many of you know at 25 years old, like, I feel like God should wait till we're a little more mature. You with me? Like, don't, why are you going to tell me something when I'm 18? Like, I, I was an idiot. I'm still an idiot, but I think I got a better grasp on it, you know? And, like, 25, hey, I want you to take some steps. I want you to walk. I don't know what Jason was thinking, but he knew it was God. Fast forward, Jason's 45 years old. He's in my dad's church, and he's sitting around a table with our family, and he's got tears pouring down his face. And he goes, I know that I know that I know when I was 25 years old, God told me that I was supposed to take some steps into the ministry. And uh, my dad goes, well, when are you going to do that? I'm like, well, that's where I got it from. Got it from dad. All right. It was real casual, dad. It was real comforting. Like, when are you going to do that? I'm 
Jason was struggling through it because he had three kids. Come on, how many of you know when you have three boys? Any boy parents out there? Teenage boy parents. Let's pray for each other. Food bill, inflation, all that. I feel like I got an elephant now instead of a kid. Stop eating, kid. Eat one more bowl of cereal, I'm going to stab you with a fork. <laughs> right? He had three, three boys and uh, a wife. and I, He was so broken because he knew that he knew that he knew that God was asking him to take a step, but he also knew that he knew that he knew that it was going to affect his provision and his comfort and his habits. And he couldn't justify the two. Well, last year, how many of you know sometimes you just take some spiritual trips? I, I, it was a pilgrimage for me. Um, the man who led me to the Lord, I, I felt like he needed to pray for me. And so I found out where he was going to be. And I said, just send me your travel schedule. And I looked down and I saw Jason Safer on there. And I'm like, what? Where's Jason at? Oh, dude, he's somewhere in a cornfield in Indiana. Uh, so I went to Indiana. I wanted to see Jason. I wanted to see how God would never changed his promise, never changed his plan, and how a man after so many years stepped into it. And there I am in the middle of a cornfield. If you build it, they will come. And uh, like legitimately in Indiana, all there is is corn. If you don't know, it's just corn everywhere. If you need corn, go to Indiana. And I walk into a church and there this man gets up and he begins to speak. Anointing and power of God. And I, something I didn't say in first service, but I'll say in this one. As I looked to the right, I saw his mom and dad, his three boys, their wives, and their grandchildren all in a row. Can I just tell you something? I'm just guessing when he was working at the power plant, he had this great check. He would have changed, traded that check any day of the week to know that generations are serving God. And I just, I think today that's where we're at. I think it's time to walk. Like, I think it's time to walk. Sir, you've been sitting so long in the promise that God has for you. It's time to walk. Ma'am, you've been sitting, waiting for, for some just great firework or something to go off. If, if God, if you shoot fireworks off in this building, I'll do it. Kaboom. Okay, there you go. I got it done. All right, like, like it's time to walk. God's saying, hey, Sir, ma'am, I brought a guy from Beaufort, South Carolina to tell you it's time to walk. It's time to walk. Because God's plan and promise is bigger than anything. And when I read this story, one thing I didn't bring out for you, but I think is a unique side note, is where they were headed was so much better than where they were. And they didn't know it until generations later. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.